بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار so we are still on the statement of sheikh al-islam ibn taymiyah with respect to the ru'ya and the nuzul so the statement of the line is walmu'minuna yarawna haqqan rabbahum wa ila as-samaa'i bi ghayri kayfin yanzilu so the first half is related to the ru'ya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the believers seeing their lord on yawmul qiyamah and this is a topic that we completed in the previous couple of lessons and so today we begin the second half which is related to the nuzul or the descent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa ila as-samaa'i bi ghayri kayfin yanzilu which reads that to the heaven without without how without saying how without asking how without imagining how he descends to 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 the heaven without asking how he descends to the heaven Now this issue that has been raised here is another one of those great and mighty subjects in the field of the creed the aqeedah of ahl sunnati wal jamaah along with four or five other topics that we keep mentioning and again again and again and from them are the uluh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah is above his creation above his throne and also the topic of the sifat the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and from within that field of the attributes is the issue of the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this in itself is a huge and important uh, topic and likewise the ru'ya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and likewise the nuzul the descent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we mentioned previously that these are from the symbols of our belief from the major symbols of our belief and that the reason why the scholars in history they wrote books around these issues was because a people appeared uh, the jahmiya and the mu'tazila and they were influenced by the approaches and the methods that were taken by the jews and the christians and the sabeans and nations that came before them who were speaking about allah upon ignorance upon their reason upon their rationale upon their study of the of what they call the natural world and from that they derived uh, uh, you know the, their logic and philosophy and then they used those tools to speak about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whereas it is the prophets and the messengers who bring knowledge of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a detailed sense in a general sense the reason can only derive certain types of knowledge or certain parts of knowledge about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he exists no doubt and that he must have knowledge and that he must have life and that he must have irada and that he must have qudra these basic attributes are something which a person just by basic reflection can 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 uh, recognize that these must be attributes of, of of the creator but beyond that that detailed knowledge only comes by way of the prophets and the messengers and the revealed books so those people the jahmiya and the mu'tazila they brought this way and this method into the ummah and then they began to erode away these major symbols Uh, of the ulu of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the ru'ya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we mentioned in the previous lessons and likewise the nuzul the descent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
So we begin today just with a, a very brief uh, commentary from Sheikh Saleh al-Suhaymi, Hafizahullah Ta'ala. So he mentions here uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he descends to the lowest heaven when the final third of the night remains. Now, the issue here is when the people hear the likes of this, when they hear the likes of this, what, what do the people say? And what is befitting for the people to do when they hear the likes of this? When a believer he hears this speech, as we shall see inshallah ta'ala from the hadith of the Messenger of Allah. What is it? How does a believer respond to this? What does he say to this? And how how ought he behave when he learns this has been said by the Messenger Muhammad Wasallam? So, as it, as regards to the hadith, then the hadith we shall mention the narrations in a bit more detail, inshallah. But in general, the hadith is that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He descends to the lowest heaven and He calls out and He says, "Who is there?" Who is there who invokes me? Who, who invokes me? مَنْ يَدْعُونِي فَأَسْتَجِيبُ لَهُ Who invokes me that I may respond or reply to him? And who seeks forgiveness from me that I may forgive him? And who asks me that I may give to him? So here in this hadith, what do Ahlul Sunnah say? What, what do they say when they hear the speech from the Messenger of Allah Wasallam? They, they believe that Allah descends in a way that befits His Majesty, in a way that is befitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though we don't have knowledge of its details. And as for how does He descend? We say that Allah descends however He wills. As for when does He descend? Then the hadith clearly says, in the last third of the night. What is the way, what is the method by which Allah descends? Allah knows best, Allahu A'lam. This, these are our responses when these questions are raised. Allahu A'lam, we don't know. Does Allah leave the throne? Does Allah leave the throne or not leave the throne? Allah knows best. This is from the knowledge of the unseen. This was a question that was raised by the Jahmiyyah of the past. Inshallah, we shall address this, this question uh, a bit later on, inshallah ta'ala. How does he come? How does he descend? Whereas we know that the heavens are in layers. Well, these are questions that, that questions that we don't entertain. Although these are questions that you might see people raising because they find it hard to believe what the Messenger of Allah has informed them of. Whereas the believers, they say that we believe in it. We believe in it. All of it is from our Lord. This is what the believers say. So, these types of questions that we, that we mentioned, the, the last three questions, all of them, they involve the question, kaif. They involve the question, kaif, how? A person is trying to ask, how? How is this, how is this possible? How, how do we understand this? And this is from the issues, we, we find there are certain issues in the religion, that Ibn Taymiyyah, he often says that there are issues which are from the those things which bewilder the mind. Your mind will, will not be able to fathom them. And so therefore to delve into them is, is, is a form of destruction. And so here we believe in what the text has informed us of. And as for these specific questions that the Shaykh has mentioned here by way of example, all of these involve, <coughs> involve the word kaif. How? This is a dangerous word. And if you start opening this question of how, then you will never, you will never close the door. As for the ahadith, inshallah, we'll mention, we're going to mention them in, in a bit more detail. The ahadith which mention the nuzul of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are reported by so many companions that they reach the level of being mutawatir. Mutawatir in meaning. In meaning. And for that reason, all of the people of knowledge, we find it included as a foundational element of the belief of Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah and which is a distinguishing point between them and between the people of innovation and uh, misguidance. So our position towards it is like all of the other attributes. We believe in it. We don't say 
How is it? We don't uh, liken it to the, the creation, to the way that the creation descends, and you know all of the other principles that we have as it relates to Allah's names and attributes. So in, in short, our approach is, آمَنَّا بِهِ كُلٌّ مِنْ إِنْدِ رَبِّنَا We believe in it, all of it is from our Lord. So this is just a very brief commentary of Sheikh Saleh uh, al-Suhaymi, and to go into a bit more detail, then first of all, let's look at what are the evidences for an-nuzul. What are the evidences for this attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Well, the first thing that we should point out is that the evidence for it in its origin is found in the Qur'an. Is found in the Qur'an. And this is because in the Qur'an there are a number of other attributes which are from the same general category of the attribute of an-nuzul. So from, from, so from those attributes is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is actually a, a passage from Imam al-Darimi. Imam al-Darimi, he's the imam from the 3rd century after Hijrah, died 280 Hijrah, Imam al-Dari, Uthman bin Sa'id al-Darimi. And he's that man, that great imam, who wrote that book, if you recall, we mentioned it previously, Naqd Uthman bin Sa'id ala Bishr al-Marisi al-Jahmi al-Amid. One of the great monumental books in the history of the creed of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. And the scholars say that if you want to truly understand and fathom the belief of Ahlul Sunnah, then you should read the, 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 the books of Uthman bin Sa'id, uh, which is this book, and also Ar-Rad al-Jahmiyyah. And so his, his statement here is from the book Ar-Rad al-Jahmiyyah. He says, in relation to this, the proof of Allah's nuzul, he says, that by which we give consideration, that which we bear in mind from the book of Allah Azza wa Jal, as it relates to the topic of an-nuzul, and by which we use, by which we take as evidence against the one who rejects it, against the one who rejects the nuzul. It is the saying of Allah the Most High, and He says, "Hal yanzuruna illa an yatiyahum Allah fi dhulalim min al-ghamami wal-malaika." Are they waiting? Are they waiting except that Allah should come to them? An yatiyahum Allah fi dhulalim min al-ghamami. In, you know, that Allah should come to them. Uh, the word here, fi dhulali min al-ghamami, meaning uh, accompanied by clouds, and likewise the angels, meaning over clouds, and likewise accompanied with the angels. Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 210. And also, the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَجَاءَ رَبُّكَ وَالْمَلَكُ صَفًّا صَفًّا And your Lord will come, and the angels, rank upon rank. Surah Al-Fajr, Surah 89, verse 22. And all of this is the... Um, uh, this is on the Day of Judgment, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He comes, He descends, to judge between the servants. And we see another ayah in the Qur'an, in Surah Al-Furqan, Surah 25, verse 25. 25, verse 25. Allah says, وَيَوْمَ وَيَوْمَ تَشَقَّقُ السَّمَاءُ بِالْغَمَامِ وَنُزِّلَ الْمَلَائِكَةُ تَنْزِيلًا The day when the heaven will be split asunder and the angels will be made to descend with a descending الْمُلْكُ يَوْمَئِذِنِ الْحَقُّ لِلْرَّحْمَانِ The dominion today belongs to Ar-Rahman in truth, to the, to the truth, to Ar-Rahman وَكَانَ يَوْمًا عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ عَسِيرًا and it will be a day that will be that will be difficult upon the disbelievers. So, you see, in these verses, we find mention Allah, Allah's maji that He will come, and His ityan, He will arrive and He will come, and these are taken as a proof for the descent of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Why? Because they are from the same category of of attribute or the same category of action. So He says. It says Ad-Darmi still, that the one who is able to descend on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, on the Day of Judgment, 
from the, uh, the, the, the heavens in order to judge between his servants, then most certainly he is able to descend every night. And then if they reject the statement of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, regarding the Nuzul, then what will they do with the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an? What, what will they do with that which they find in the Qur'an? Meaning the verses of Al-Ityan and Al-Maji. So this is a statement of Allah Dharmi. You can see that the Salaf held that the proof for An-Nuzul is actually in the Qur'an as well. On the basis of those verses. As for the evidences in the Sunnah, then in the Sunnah we have the hadith of Abu Hurairah anhu from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam who said, يَنزِلُ اللَّهُ يَنزِلُ اللَّهُ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ الدُّنْيَا كُلَّ لَيْلَةٍ حِينَ يَمْدِي ثُلُثُ اللَّيْلِ الْأَوَّلِ فَيَقُولُ أَنَا الْمَلِكُ أَنَا الْمَلِكُ مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَدْعُونِي فَأَسْتَجِيبَ لَهُ مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَسْأَلُنِي فَأُعْطِيَهُ مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَسْتَغْفِرُنِي فَأَغْفِرَ لَهُ فَلَا يَزَالُ كَذَلِكَ حَتَّى يُضِيءَ الْفَجْرَ meaning of which is Allah descends to the lowest heaven every night when there remains a third of the night. And he says, I am Al-Malik, I am the king, I am the king. Who is there who will call upon me that I may respond to him? Who is there who will ask from me that I may give to him? And who is there that seeks forgiveness from me that I may forgive him? And he never ceases like this up until the dawn of the Fajr, when the light appears for, for Fajr. This hadith is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim. And then we find there are many other narrations from many other, other companions to support this uh, hadith. From them is the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu anhu, who said that the Messenger of Allah said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَفْتَحُ أَبْوَابَ السَّمَاءِ فِي ذُلُثِ اللَّيْلِ Indeed, Allah opens up the, the gates of the heaven in the third of the night. And He descends to the lowest heaven. And He stretches out His hands and He says, Is there any servant who will ask me such that I may give to him? And this is up until the break of dawn. And also we have the hadith of Jubair, Radiallahu anhu from the Messenger of Allah who said, Allah descends to the lowest heaven on every night and He says, Hal min sa'ilin fa'u'tiyahu. Is there anyone who asks that I may give to him? Hal min mustaghfirin fa'aghfiralahu. And is there one who seeks forgiveness that I may forgive him? And we see also the hadith of Jabir bin Abdullah radiallahu anhu who said that the Messenger of Allah said, there is no day more virtuous and excellent in the sight of Allah than the day of Arafah. Than the day of Arafah, which is just past. Yanzilullahu ila samai dunya. Allah descends to the lowest heaven and then He calls out to the people of the earth and uh, he, 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 he boasts. To the people of the heaven about the people of the earth. In other words, he says to the angels with respect to the people of the earth. He says, Look at my servants who have come. And he describes how they are, you know, with dust on them and disheveled and so on and so forth. He says, فَلَمْ يُرَى يَوْمٌ أَكْثَرُ إِتْقًا مِنَ النَّارِ مِنْ يَوْمِ عَرَفَةِ So they came, they have come from every valley. They hope in my mercy and they will not see my punishment. And so on that day, there will not be seen. Uh, on that day, there will not be seen as many people who are uh, saved from the fire than the day of Arafah. And this is reported by Ibn Khuzaym. And also the hadith of Rifa'at al-Juhani, again similar in meaning. And we find that Imam al-Tirmidhi, in his Sunan, he mentions, he brings all the hadith, and 
on top of uh, some of the ones that we mentioned, he has a hadith from Ali bin Abi Talib, Abi Sa'id bin Al-Khudri, and Jubair bin Mut'im ibn Mas'ud, Abu Darda, Uthman bin Abi Al-As. So we find many, many of the Sahaba have narrated this uh, hadith. Ibn Abdul Bar, ta'ala, he says, the hadith, hadithun thabitun, uh, is, the hadith is firmly established in terms of its transmission. It is sahih from the angle of its isnad. It is authentic in terms of its chain of narration. The people of hadith do not differ about its, about its authenticity. And it is narrated from many roots, from the reports of trustworthy people from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We see also Ibn al-Attar, he says, the hadith of Nuzul is thabit, it is firmly established in the two sahihs. It is a hadith which is mashhur, well-known, authentic. There's nothing uh, for, for which it can be reviled, neither in its meaning, neither in its wording. And it is obligatory to believe in it without reflecting, you know, in terms of its, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the reality of it and the meaning of it, the, the, the actual real true meaning of it. Rather the believer, what is his share from this hadith? His share from this hadith is that he preoccupies himself with ibadah during that time, during the last third of the night. And to make dua to Allah, and to ask Allah, and to make istighfar from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not to be preoccupied in the, the kayfiyah, how did Allah, how did Allah descend? So from all of this, we understand that the hadith of nuzul, they are mutawatira. They are established by large scale transmission that simply cannot be cannot be denied or rejected. Then we have statements from the scholars, uh, from the ulama, from the scholars of the Salaf and other than them. Abu Bakr al-Ismaili, ta'ala, he says in his book, I'tiqad a'immati ahli al-hadith, he says, وَأَنَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ يَنْزِرُ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ الدُّنْيَا عَلَى مَا صَحَّ بِهِ الْخَبَرِ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ بِلَا اِعْتِقَادٍ that he, the mighty and majestic, descends to the lowest heaven upon what has been authentically related of reports from the Messenger of Allah without believing any kayf, without holding any knowledge of how does Allah descend. And likewise, Imam al-Zahabi mentions in his seer uh, from, uh, the, from one of the Salaf, Muhammad bin Ahmad, Nasr, al-Tirmidhi, al-Shafi'i, who was asked about the hadith of Nuzul, and he said, pay attention to this statement, he said, this is about the Nuzul, about the Nuzul, al-Nuzulu ma'qul, wal-kayfu majhul, wal-imanu bihi wajib, wal-su'al anhu bid'ah. You see, the statement he gave here is the same statement that Imam Malik, rahimullah, gave, when he was asked about the istiwa, the istiwa and the nuzul. So here he said, when he was asked about the hadith of nuzul, the nuzul is something that is known, something that is known. And how it takes place is majhul. To have faith in it is obligatory, and to ask about it is a bid'ah. To ask about it is an innovation. And likewise, likewise, we have a statement from Imam al-Sabuni, ta'ala, in his uh, book, Aqidat al-Salaf. He said that the Ashabul hadith they affirm and establish the descent of the Lord, the sublime and exalted every night to the lowest heaven, without resembling it to the way that the creation descend. Nor likening it to that, nor asking how or specifying a how. Rather, they affirm what the Messenger of Allah affirmed, and they leave the affair to him, and they pass on the authentic narration by mentioning it upon its apparentness, and they leave the knowledge of it to Allah, the, to Allah, uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, we have the statement of Ibn Ta'ala, one of the Imams of the Salaf, he says in a chapter heading, chapter mentioning the, narrates, uh, the narrations and the reports, which are established with their chain of narration, 
which the scholars of the Hijaz and Iraq have narrated regarding the descent of the Lord to the lowest heaven every night without any description of the kayfiyah, of the how, of how this nuzul is, alongside affirming the actual nuzul. And he says, we testify with a testification, affirming with our hearts, believing in our hearts and affirming with our tongues, with certainty in what is in all of these reports, that they mention the nuzul, without that we start describing the kayfiyah, how this nuzul is. Because our Prophet he did not describe to us the kayfiyah of the nuzul of our Creator, how he descends to the lowest heaven. But he told us that he descends. And Allah Azawajal, Allah Azawajal, he has appointed his Prophet to explain, to explain whatever the Muslims are in need of having explained to them from the affairs of their religion. So we speak and we believe whatever we have been informed of, of what the Messenger informed us of, of that nuzul, and we're not burdened with knowing how it is and describing how it is, because the Messenger of Allah he did not describe how is that nuzul. So these are some statements from the Salaf. And then finally, we quote, uh, these are all evidences, by the way, evidence from the Qur'an, evidence from the Sunnah, evidence from the Salaf. We just mention now briefly a few statements that mention the ijma', the consensus. So we have the Qur'an, the Sunnah, uh, the, uh, the statements from the Salaf, and the ijma' of the, of the Salaf. So Ibn Taymi says in his book, An-Nuzul, he says, قَدْ إِسْتَفَادَتْ بِهِ السُنَّةَ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ وَسَلَّمُ وَاتَّفَقَ سَلَفُ الْأُمَّةِ وَأَئِمَّتِهَا وَأَئِمَّتُهَا وَأَحْلُ الْإِلْمِ بِالسُنَّةِ وَالْحَدِيثِ أَلَا تَصْدِيكِ ذَلِكَ مُتَلَقِّيهِ بِالْقُبُولِ He says that these, these narrations and these reports are abundant in the sunnah with respect to the nuzul of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the Prophet And the salaf of this ummah, the scholars and the people of knowledge of, of, of knowledge and the sunnah and hadith they all unanimously agreed in affirming that and taking it with acceptance. And likewise, Abu Umar, Abu, Abu Amr al-Talamanki from the Maliki scholars, he said, "Ajma'u," meaning the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, "ala anna Allah yati yawm al Qiyamah." They have united. They are agreed that Allah will uh, come on the day of judgment, and the angels ranks upon ranks in order to call the nations to account when the nations all the nations of the earth they will be brought they will be held to account and he will come however he wills in whichever way he wills and allah says then he mentions the ayat that we mentioned before about allah uh, coming and allah arriving he mentions those two verses and then he says wa ajma'u ala anna allah yanzilu kull laylatin ila sama'i dunya ala ma atat bihi al-athar kayfa yasha la yajiduna fi dha shay'a so he says and they are united that allah will descend allah descends to the lowest heaven every night upon what has come in the narrations however he wills and they don't find anything in that meaning they don't find anything objectionable uh, uh, in that so these are the proofs and evidences then we have the quran and pay attention to the fact that the, that the verses of the, the Ityan and the Maji have been used as proof. They mention the Ahadith, the fact that they are mutawatir in meaning. And then we have the Ijma', the unanimous consensus of the Salaf. Now from this there are some issues, there are a number of issues uh, that we should uh, discuss. And so the first of those issues is... An issue to do with, this is a question, on the basis of which Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he wrote a whole book, which is this thick, called Kitab, Kitabun Nuzul, Kitabun Nuzul. And this is uh, when a man put a question to him and said that the two men were arguing about this discussion. One man said such and such, one man said such and such. And one man said, well, how can Allah descend in the last third of the night, every night, when we see there are different towns and cities and so on and so forth. Now how, how do we understand this? So he, Shaykh al-Islam he wrote a whole book in order to explain 
this particular subject and also some of the doubts of the Jahmiyyah and the Mu'tazila that they bring in relation to this subject of the descent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, obviously this, this, this topic is a topic that the minds cannot really grasp and fathom. That's because our knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or Allah has only revealed a certain amount of knowledge uh, about Himself. And likewise, our knowledge of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and of the universe and of the seven heavens, likewise, we have very little knowledge of that as well. And so, because of that, our ability to understand and grasp the likes of these affairs, the limitation is in ourselves, not in what the Messenger of Allah what he has informed us of. What he's informed us of is the actual truth. And it is the truth and reality. And it is our deficiency uh, that, 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 that we, uh, on account of which we are unable to grasp the likes of these affairs. So therefore we believe and we do not delve into the how. But Ibn Taymiyyah, uh, in, in the course of his book, he addresses this issue and he gives, a, he gives an answer to address the, uh, the, the, the doubt and in general, I'll just very quickly summarize the essence of what he's saying. He says that when you look at the entire world, and you see that there are differences in terms of the east and the west, and the north and the south. So we have east and west, north and the south. And you find that the actual length of the night in each place, it varies depending on where you are. So if you are further up in the northern hemisphere, then your nights are going to be shorter in the summer and longer in the winter. And if you're closer to the equator, then you know, the, 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 there will be like a, a balancing of the, of the length of the, of the day and night. And so he says that because of all of these variations and because also there is an, there is an overlap of the regions, in other words, you don't take it like, there's a city here and a city here and a city there. Rather, you see a, a general overlap in the general region of each city. So, uh, he says, when you put all of these things together and you bear all of that in mind and you, and, and you bear in mind that the, that the length of the night in one region, for example, in the northern hemisphere, in, 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 in the winter, for example, it will be a certain length. And then there's adjacent uh, places next to it. And then another, another place... It'll be a certain length, it'll be a different length, it'll be a much shorter length. So he says that when you bear all of this in mind, he says, it is, it is possible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for each general region or area, for his descent to take place within the equivalent of the third of a night that, that is applicable to that particular place and that particular location. Okay, so this is a general gist of the, of the answer that Ibn Taymiyyah uh, gives. But whether you grasp that or whether you don't grasp that, as I said, we have, just, we have been informed by the Messenger of Allah and there is within this hadith that which indicates action. What is that action? That action is that you call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala making dua to Him. That you ask Him so that He may give you. That you seek forgiveness from Him that He may forgive you. So the wise one is the one who takes this action. And the foolish one is the one who tries to fathom and tries to understand the kaif or tries to grasp, you know, and, and thinking that this is what he's been burdened with in this particular hadith. No, he's been burdened with believing what the messenger has informed him. And as for the, the action, then that is very clear in the, in the hadith. So after this, the issue now comes is what is the position of the people of Bid'ah and the people of Dalala with respect to this issue of our belief. And notice in fact before we move any further from this, notice again how this issue is connected to action. It's connected to action. When, when, when we as people of the Sunnah when we speak of the Nuzul of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what does it mean to us? It means to us, it means to us, it brings about hope in our hearts. Hope for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, every other symbol that we mentioned previously, <coughs> the symbols of belief, 
the belief in Allah's ulu. What does it mean to us as people of the sunnah that Allah is above his heaven, above his creation? There are, there are a whole range of fields of knowledge which are affected by, and in fact, which depend upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being above his throne, above his creation. The issue of revelation itself, the revelation itself is founded upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being above, above his throne. The, uh, you know, the, the, issue, the issue of Allah revealing his book, sending down the Qur'an, is founded upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being above his throne. The legislations that Allah sends down, the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is founded upon Allah being above his, above his throne. And in turn, all of the names of Allah which relate to his greatness, that he is kabir, and he's, you know, he's mutakabbir, and he's jabbar, he's al-ali, and he is all of those names, then that is connected to the issue of the ulu of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what does this belief mean to us? It's not just a belief. It is something that enters into the, the, the very essence of our worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because the, it, the, it has a, a, an effect and an impact upon the hearts of the servants. Likewise, the issue of seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we mentioned, that we discussed in detail a few lessons ago, and we made the point there as well, that the issue of seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the greatest pleasure and the greatest reward, more than any pleasure and reward that a person will have in paradise, that this isn't just a belief that we hold as an academic piece of knowledge, no. It is something that impacts, impacts and affects the, the, the entire iman of a believer, the entire faith of a believer. Likewise, the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, and likewise, uh, the, 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 the kalam, the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here, an-nuzul is one of those such things, is one of those such things, and the nuzul of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can see what is connected to it is action, because the hadith mentions Allah stretches out his hands and says, who is there who makes dua that I may respond to him? Who is there who asks that I may give to him? And who is there who seeks forgiveness that I may forgive him? Now, what is the point in mentioning all of these things? The point is that when you look at the people who oppose and deny and reject these beliefs, they deny the ulu of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They deny the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They deny the kalam of Allah. If you deny the kalam of Allah, if you deny the speech of Allah, you have invalidated every single legislation, every single shara, shara that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He revealed. You have abolished the actual concept and principle of al-amr wal-nahi, of command and prohibition. You've, you've abolished and nullified that. And this, 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 you know, just so... You see, by denying these symbols of belief, you are actually, you are undermining the entire religion. In some cases, you are undermining. In some cases, you are eroding. In some cases, you are invalidating the entire religion. Like if you deny Allah is above His throne. Or if you deny the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you see, all of these beliefs have an, a, 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 a crucial impact upon the iman of a believer. And the nuzul is one of those such things. So these people that we mention, that we keep mentioning all the time, the Jahmiya and the Mu'tazila, and the, the offshoots today, the, the Maturidis and the Ash'aris, they're the ones who undermine these beliefs. And when they undermine these beliefs, they are in fact undermining the, the Iman. They are eroding the Iman in the hearts of the believers. And so these are the people their doctrines and their beliefs, these are the things which are behind the calamities and the turmoil that we see in the Muslim nation. Now, this is how we understand the lights of these uh, the lights of these affairs. So the views which are held, there are a number of views. So from the from those people are those who deny the ahadith. This is group number one. They deny the ahadith outright, and they are the, the Jahmiya and the Mu'tazila. The Jahmiya and the Mu'tazila. They deny these ahadith because, as we said before, they developed a certain theology 
a certain way of speaking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which which demanded from them that they describe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only in a certain way and they negate everything that they found in the Quran and the Sunnah. Uh, so they are the ones who they began to deny the uh, hadith. They began to say either they are not authentic or they began to say these hadith are just ahad hadith. They are just a hadith narrated by a single narrator, two narrators, three narrators. We can't really trust them and we don't believe, therefore we don't believe in them. So they invented certain principles to undermine the sunnah. They said, you know, there is a mutawatir hadith and there is ahad hadith. We accept the first, we don't accept the second. Because the first amount to certainty and the second don't amount to certainty. These are false principles they invented in order to uh, attack and fight against Ahlul Sunnah. So these are the Mu'tazila, the Jahmiyyah, and following them were a group of the Khawarij. Because the Khawarij, the Khawarij when they appeared in, in the first century, the ones who fought against Ali radiallahu anhu, when the Khawarij that followed and came afterwards in the second century, they adopted some of the views of the of the Mu'tazila, and they, they denied some of the ahadith and some of the you know attributes and other things. So therefore, the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila, they were from those who denied the ahadith. <coughs> the second group are those who did not deny the ahadith because they couldn't. They knew these ahadith are firmly established, but instead because it again clashed with their theology, they began to make interpretations. <coughs> they began to explain away these ahadith in a way that none of the Salaf explained away. And so these are your Ash'aris and Maturidis and the people like that. And they began to say, well, it's not Allah who descends, it's the angels who descend. This is what the hadith is referring to. Or they say it is Allah's mercy that descends, not Allah himself. Or they say it is Allah's command that descends. And you see, all of these interpretations they brought from themselves so that they could twist the text and make it fit with their belief. To fit with their belief, their ilmul kalam, their kalam belief. This is a second group. The third group are a group who exaggerate, they exaggerate and they make tashbih and they start delving into the how, the, the, the kayfiya. And so these are the mushabbiha or the Mukayyifa, or the Mumathila, the ones who liken, resemble, ask how, all of these are, are, are a group, and they are also astray and uh, misguided. And these are the type of people who would say, for example, yes Allah, yes Allah would descend, uh, and he would have to leave his throne. This is a kafir you're bringing from yourself, the text never mentioned this. You know, so th this is something, that a third a group who enters, in and ent who, you know, enters into the likes of these affairs. The fourth group is the people of the Sunnah and the Jama'ah, and they are the ones who take what has been mentioned in the Hadith as it is, they accept its meaning, and they deny the Kayfiyyah, and they free Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from any Tashbih or Tamthil, and this is the way of the Salaf, and the Imams of the Salaf, Sufyan al-Thawri, Sufyan bin Uyayna, Hamad, the, the, you know, the, the Hamad, Al-Awza'i, Al-Layth, and other than them, from those scholars who were present in the uh, mid to late uh, second century after Hijrah. Now, this leads us now to the to those people, because we, we don't have a problem with the people, there is no issue with those who deny the Sunnah, because their issue is clear. The Khawarij, the issue is very clear. Likewise, with the Mushabbiha, their misguidance is, is very clear. But there are a group who those who affirm the ahadith, yeah, we accept the ahadith, but the interpretation is such and such. We need to look at those people, and they are the Ash'aris and the Maturidis, they are the ones who make this ta'wil. And so, we find that from the Ash'ari scholars, are those who give these interpretations from them, uh, Qadi Iyad, Qadi Iyad, he is of that inclination, upon the way of the Ash Ash'aris who make ta'wil. Um, and likewise, others we find, uh, uh, who, who would support this particular uh, interpretation. So they say that it is Allah's rahmah, Allah's mercy that descends, and Allah's karamah, uh, Allah, His you know, generosity and beneficence, this is what descends. And others say that it is Allah's command, 
The command of Allah is what descends, not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. Now, Ibn Taymiyyah, we can finish with this inshallah ta'ala, we can finish just by with a rebuttal of these doubts and arguments. How do we refute and rebut these doubts and arguments? Ibn Taymiyyah in his book, Sharh Hadith al-Nuzul that we mentioned earlier on, he says with respect to the argument that it is command, it is Allah's command or his method descends. He says, this is a mistake from numerous angles. He mentions about five or six. He says, the first angle why this is a mistake is that the command and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you say that Allah's command and his mercy, when you speak of command and mercy, then you can be speaking of one of two things. Either you are speaking of actual physical beings in and of themselves, like for example the angels, right? so now these are physical beings, or you are speaking of mere attributes. So you are speaking of mercy as an attribute, or a command as an attribute. You can be speaking in one of, in one of these two ways. Right? So if you mean the first one, the angels, then the angels, they descend to the earth at every time. At every time. But we see the hadith of Nuzul is specified with the last third of the night. And it's also specified with the lowest heaven. There are two specifications in this hadith. In terms of the time, the last third of the night, and in terms of the, you know, and, and in terms of the, 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 the heaven. And so therefore... Therefore, uh, when we look at the descent of the angels, it is not restricted. It's not restricted to any one time, nor is it restricted just to this, this, this place of the lowest heaven. That's the first thing. If you mean the angels, if you mean something physical as an entity, and if you mean just merely as an attribute, as in you say, the mercy of Allah descends, you mean the actual attribute, then. And you mean by this, for example, like, you know, the, the hearts of the servants when they wake up in the, uh, when they are uh, praying in the third of the night and they feel a sense of uh, serenity and calmness and they feel like, you know, they actually start feeling, the, the, the perceiving these, uh, the, these attributes, right? They, they have a sense of feeling that this is merciful and whatever. Then the answer to this is that uh, this is, uh, this where this is taking place is on the earth, not in the heaven. Right? So the point here is that these are being perceived by the servants upon the earth, because the servants are upon the earth. Right? Whereas the hadith is saying that he who descends is descending to the lowest heaven. Right? So if you meant in terms of attributes, then still the hadith itself doesn't support you, the hadith actually rebuts you. And 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 you know uh, rejects your explanation, and in fact the mercy of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is descending at all times in any case. So whichever way you look at it, whether you mean an entity as an angel or whether you mean the attribute, then what is in the hadith, what is specified in the hadith, actually refutes the this this explanation. The second point is that if you look at the wording of the hadith. The hadith is, if you look at the various narrations that we mentioned, it is Allah who is speaking. Allah is the one who is speaking. He says, Allah descends and He says, I do not ask about my servants from other than, 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 than my, I do not need to ask about my servants from other than myself. Like on the, on the day of Arafah. I don't need, I don't ask other than myself about my servants. And likewise, He, he says also, so this type of kalam isn't the type of kalam that anybody else would say. Why would an angel say this? How can an angel say, I don't ask about my servants from other than myself? How can an angel say that? Not possible. This is wrong. The third point is that we, when you look at the other hadith, the other wording, when Allah calls out and says, Who is there who calls upon me that I may answer him? Who is there who has a need that I may grant it to him? And who is there <coughs> that seeks forgiveness that I may forgive him? So, uh, all of this, all of this, it is known that only Allah responds to the dua. Only Allah is the one who forgives the sins. 
and only Allah is the one who gives everyone who asks whatever he whatever he whatever he gives. Now, can the command of Allah give that? Is it is it Allah who gives or the command of Allah who gives? It is Allah Himself who gives. Is it Allah who gives these things or is it the mercy of Allah that gives? Meaning, is it the attribute of Allah that is giving or is it Allah Himself who is giving? It is clear that Allah Himself is the one who is giving, of course. And uh, so this is the third point, third argument, third rebuttal. The fourth rebuttal, the fourth argument is that if we accept that it is Allah's command and it is Allah's uh, uh, mercy which is descending, then you see, this. You have, you have to also understand who is the person who is bringing this argument. Because this person who is bringing this argument is the same person who, who also rejects that Allah is above his throne. right? At the same time, he denies Allah is above the throne. And this is the same person who now comes and he says, it is not Allah who descends, Rather, it is his mercy and his command that descend. Now, the question to him is, okay, let's accept that it's his mercy and his command that descends. Now, answer me this question. From whom did it descend? From where did it descend? From whom did it descend? So, you know, if he's explained it, if he affirms and says, yes, something descends, but it's his mercy, then from whom did it descend? You can only descend from the one to whom it belongs. Which means, therefore, you have affirmed the ulu of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a contradiction. Because on the one hand you're saying, we don't believe in the ulu, because it means Allah is confined in time and space and makes him a body and whatever else. Now you are giving the interpretation that it is, it's not Allah himself who descends, but Allah's mercy and his command. And his mercy and command must have come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you see, this is again a, a, a contradiction. And this is the nature of the belief of Ahlul Batin, you find that they will believe a thing in one place. They will believe a thing in one place, in one field, in one subject area. And then in another field, they will affirm something that will completely clash with that thing in another place. And this is something you will find that the Ash'ari, the Ash'ari Madhab and the Maturidi Madhab, is, it is littered with these types of examples. Affirm a belief in one area, and then you nullify it and you invalidate it in another area. Let me just give you one more example. The Ash'aris believe, they say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never does a thing for a thing. Right? Allah doesn't have reasons or objectives or wisdoms in the things that He does. Why? Because this would mean He has a need to do so. And things which have a need are created things. Right? You understand? That's the, that's the reasoning. Allah never does something for something. Allah doesn't do, doesn't do things for a reason or for a wisdom. There are no reasons and wisdoms in Allah's actions. Allah's actions are completely and totally neutral. Allah's irada, Allah's wish is totally neutral, right? So in other words, Allah, you know, Allah doesn't aid the believers because of His love for them. Right? They would deny this. Allah can't do something for something, right? So this is what they say. This is now in the field... This is a field that's connected to the topic of Al-Qadr. Al-Qadr wal-Qadr. Allah doesn't do something for something. Now, when they come to argue with the atheists, and they come to argue with the philosophers, about how do we prove that the Prophet is indeed a Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do we prove Prophethood? They say, they say, that we know that a Prophet is a Prophet, because a Prophet has miracles... He performs miracles and he brings a challenge. He makes tahaddi. He brings he makes a challenge. He says, I'm a prophet and this is the miracle. And they say that if anyone else who is not a prophet was to make the claim of prophethood and then was to try and attempt to do a miracle or a magic trick, then Allah would invalidate and falsify his trick. Now we see here what, the, what, what they're really saying. What they're really saying is, Allah is doing something for something. Isn't that right? Why is Allah going to invalidate and falsify this claimed, you know, uh, uh, you know this, this uh, trick that a magician is going to bring and claim that he's a prophet? Why is Allah going to invalidate it? Why? To, to falsify him 
and to show that he's not a prophet and to establish that the prophet is indeed a prophet. So here now, in this case, they have to affirm Allah does something for something. And over there they are saying in the topic of Al-Qadr, Allah never does something for something. You understand? That's another example. And there are many more examples of the Ash'ari Madhab, which shows that anything which is not from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it, is, it will be full of uh, conflict and you know, differences and contradictions. So this is a fourth way that we argue against uh, their, their attempt to deny the hadith of the Nuzul of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fifth uh, point, the fifth point or the fifth argument is an argument, now you have to look at the lengths that these people go to and the trickery and the deception and the playing about with the language and whatever else. We finish with this inshallah ta'ala. Now the fifth one is that they say, they say that really it's, it's an angel that descended, but he is really calling out on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just like it's possible for us to say, for example, that if a king issues a decree and he sends out his minister or messenger, and the messenger and minister conveys this decree to the people, then it can be said metaphorically, it can be said metaphorically, when this messenger comes and conveys that message, it can be said metaphorically, the king has said so and so. Right? You understand the, 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 the argument here now, the, 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 they're trying to say that, yes, it's possible uh, for us to accept that this hadith, but it just simply means that the angel is saying it on, on, on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, how do, we, how do we refute this argument? Now, the argument, we can show that this explanation is batil and false, because when we look to another hadith, we see, let's, let's actually look at this hadith. This hadith, is the hadith in which the, the Messenger of Allah says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, when, when Allah, he loves his servant, إِذَا أَحَبَّ اللَّهُ الْعَبْدَ نَادَ فِي السَّمَاءِ يَا جِبْرِيلِ إِنِّي أُحِبُّ فُلَانًا فَأَحِبْهُ When Allah loves a servant, he calls out, he calls to the heaven, O Jibreel, indeed I love so-and-so, so love him. فَيُحِبَّهُ جِبْرِيلِ So then Jibreel loves him. ثُمَّ يُنَادِي جِبْرِيلِ Then Jibreel calls out. Now pay attention here. Allah has informed Jibreel that he loves so-and-so from the servants. So then Allah, Allah commands him to, love, to, uh, to, to love, that, love that person. So Jibreel now loves that person. Then Jibreel in turn, he calls out. And what does he say? He says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ فُلَانًا فَأَحِبُّهُ Indeed, Allah loves so-and-so, so love him. فَيُحِبَّهُ أَحْلُ السَّمَاءِ So then the people of the, uh, the, the heaven, they love him, and then acceptance is placed for that person upon the earth. Now, pay attention. What did Jibreel, alayhi what did he say? When he conveyed what Allah said. He said, did he say, did he say, indeed I... Love so and so servant, so love him. Did he say that? No. He said, Inna Allaha yuhibbu fulanan. So he said, it is, he said, Allah loves so and so. So we see clearly in this hadith that when an angel is commanding or conveying, the angel clearly says, Indeed, Allah said. Indeed, Allah loves. Like in this, in this hadith, it's, it mentions Allah loving a servant. Right? So therefore we see that in the sunnah there is a clear distinction between what, what is said by an angel conveying that which comes from Allah and what is said by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. That is very clear and apparent. So from this therefore we see that there is a difference between using like the pronouns when you say I said or when you say he said. It's very clear and very, very apparent. So in this hadith Allah says, مَنْ يَدْعُونِي فَأَسْتَجِيبَ لَهُ all clear it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is saying the likes of this speech. And we see the same thing in the Quran, in the Quran when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He calls out to Musa alayhi salam, He says, Innani anallah la ilaha illa ana When, when 
And Musa al-Islam, when he came to the, to the, to the tree, and the, the speech he heard, it is a speech of Allah, indeed I am Allah. There is none which has a right to be worshipped except I, so worship me alone. And Allahu Rabbul Alameen, as we see in another ayah. I am the Lord of all of the worlds. So you see that uh, if, Allah was to ange, uh, if Allah was to order an angel to come down every night and to make these you know, uh, statements, he wouldn't command, the angel wouldn't say, the angel wouldn't say, uh, who calls upon me that I may respond to him? Who seeks forgiveness from me that I may forgive him? This, it is impossible for an angel to say that, right? So from these five angles, it becomes clear that this attempted distortion of this hadith is falsehood. And they also bring another thing, which is the uh, they, they uh, uh, ascribe a ta'wil to Imam Malik. They say Imam Malik said it is his command that descends. And this ta'wil is not established from Imam Malik, rahimahullah ta'ala. And in any case, even if we were to accept that as an interpretation, then the, this interpretation wouldn't conflict with the fact that Allah himself descends. Uh, the, the two explanations can, 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 can go together. But in any case, um, the, the ta'wils that these people ascribe to the sulaf, they have no basis. As Ibn Taymiyyah says, there is not a single ta'wil that can be established and affirmed from the sulaf. And in fact, he challenged the people in his time that I give you uh, a certain number of years to go and find me a single ta'wil that the sulaf made of any of the, uh, the verses or the ahadith of the attributes. And they never brought anything which is authentic. Which is Sahih. So with that we conclude our discussion of the hadith of the uh, Nuzul. And that concludes uh, our discussion of some of the major symbols of belief that we've been looking at. The Kalam of Allah, uh, the, 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 the Quran, the speech of Allah, the attributes of Allah, the Ru'ya, the, uh, the, the Nuzul. So in the next lesson inshallah ta'ala we're going to look at some of the affairs of the Unseen, the Mizan, the Hawd and things of that nature and that brings our lesson today to a conclusion walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in